Welcome to the Litigation Finance Podcast. I'm your host, John Freund. This podcast is brought to you by Litigation Finance Journal, the only dedicated news source to the litigation finance industry. Please visit www.litigationfinancejournal.com. Our guests today are Blake Trueblood and Ed Garris, founding partners of Invenio LLP. Invenio is a leading provider of legal services for those navigating the complexities of the litigation finance industry. Blake and Ed have extensive experience in claimant funding, law firm lending, and litigation supported by third-party funding. Blake, Ed, welcome to the podcast. Thanks Thank you very much. much for having us. Let's jump right into it. So Invenio is a law firm that specializes in litigation funding, which I just think is really interesting and pretty unique. So let me start by asking, who are your clients and what type of services do you offer? So we, we actually, um, you know, we, we organize ourselves by uh, three approaches to the plaintiff's litigation marketplace. Um, first of all, we represent plaintiffs ourselves. Um, second, we work with law firms to empower the advocates that support plaintiffs. And third, uh, we guide investors uh, who are looking at the legal asset investing space. The core of our transactional work in litigation finance, though, focuses on borrowers. Uh, and that was really something that Blake focused on in planning uh, our, our, our approach uh, as partners. And we really saw borrowers as vastly underrepresented. So we tend to focus a lot of our thought leadership uh, in our uh, in our new client engagement on those issues. And a natural outgrowth of those representations, John, has, has been uh, law firms asking if we could actually help them source the capital in addition to guiding them through the transaction. Uh, so we've also taken up preparing investment banking style uh, law firms to take to market uh, to work with our funding relationships to help them find the capital that they need to grow. So we've actually developed a complete ecosystem to serve our clients. We're actually two entities. Uh, we've created a non-lawyer entity called Invenio Strategies, where we do everything from distressed deal consulting or operational consulting to banking firms that are getting ready to be presented, looking at their data, preparing their models. Uh, and then just naturally... Uh, each side feeds the other. Uh, sometimes we end up with clients who have distress in a deal and we're involved in the workout. Sometimes people that we've helped get funding refer to us interesting deals. We're currently working with plaintiff's law firms on divorces, mergers, joint ventures, capital raises, client acquisition campaigns, uh, and distressed uh, debt workouts. That's great. That's a that's a nice uh, spectrum of, uh, of legal services there, and and um, I'd like to just start with just the claimants though. Let's focus on what the claimants are doing here. Um, from the claimant perspective, what are some of the common questions, the concerns that you get from claimants? These are people who are looking to secure litigation funding. So how do you assuage those concerns that they have? Sure. So depending on the sophistication. Um, of the client, and again, in this context, your your client could be a Fortune 500 company or an individual who's been in an accident. Um, you first need to make sure that the claimant understands what the economic terms of the transaction are, and ultimately how that plays out. Uh, and if that means opening up a Excel spreadsheet and modeling out uh, the 
obligation over time to the funder, that that's what we do. But we find it most important to make sure we know exactly what the deal terms are um, before we decide to take on that funding. Uh, but beyond that, making sure that the claimants understand whether the deal is structured as recourse or non-recourse and what that may ultimately mean to them in terms of liability for the funding obligation. Uh, and then finally, making sure that they understand that the funder uh, should have no control uh, over the course of the litigation. And that's truly a decision between the claimant and their attorney. Uh, and making sure that that is, is understood so there's no concern over whether or not they're giving away uh, the ability to control their case. Now, you also offer legal services to law firms who are looking to secure funding, right? So this is interesting because uh, I think a natural question would be, why would a law firm need outside counsel when it comes to sourcing and accepting litigation funding? I will tell you that both of us have, have worked transactions on the lender side. Uh, and we've seen a bunch of transactions that we've had to refinance or get into the middle of uh, partway through the credit cycle. And uh, it, quite frankly, it's disastrous when trial lawyers try to represent themselves or to have probably outstanding local lawyers who specialize in other things. We've seen estates and trusts, local corporate, family law, uh, et cetera, as a way to try to keep down costs or urge the transaction to a conclusion. Uh, this is just too complex and too specialized. Uh, and it will speed your transaction. It will set you up for success uh, with your lender. And quite frankly, we find now the lenders require it. The lenders want sophisticated counsel on the side of the law firm borrowers. We've we've gone and talked to a bunch of lenders uh, about you know whether or not they think transactions would go better uh, if their uh, counterparties were represented by uh, experienced litigation finance counsel. Every last one of them to a T says it keeps them up late at night, and that as many as 70% of their deals would go better if the counsel were improved on the other side. And we were recently in a group of lenders and insurers who had the occasion to say that one of the critical things that they watch for in closing a transaction is whether or not the claimant seems educated or the law firm seems educated about the documents and whether they're actively negotiating. And if somebody signs a term sheet without negotiation or says, where's the DocuSign on the draft documents that were sent across, they'll sideline that transaction uh, as a red flag. And John, I'll, I'll add to that um, for law firm borrowers who are considering whether or not they need to have uh, appropriate counsel on these transactions. Th these are often multi-million dollar transactions, tens of millions of dollars. The, the fee that a law firm borrower would pay us to represent them in a transaction that side is really just a fraction of the overall uh, cost of that borrowing. So the, the value proposition is clear. Um, these are very bespoke deals. No, no single deal is the same. Um, and often we find that our great litigators that we represent in these transactions don't understand the ramifications of the covenants and the representations. They don't understand the way that their guarantees work. Um, and that can be a problem a year or two into the transaction um, when they trip up something and end up in a bad 
spot with their lender. So uh, uh, we say make sure you're educated on the front side. We view that these types of representations as educational in many respects, uh, but also understanding what's market and what's not. Um, and that varies widely from funder to funder. Knowing those differences can be a significant value add to law firms that are looking to borrow. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you can never get too sophisticated about what is a, a really a, a relatively new product and legal funding hasn't been around that long. So it does make a lot of sense that even litigators would need, would need outside counsel to support um, their litigation funding efforts. Frankly, we see it in firms that even have transactional lawyers. You know, we, we haven't done uh, an AMLAW 100 funding deal ourselves, but we were recently sitting with a couple of lawyers who do uh, uh, litigation work in blown up deals and fee disputes. And they said they had recently had to unravel in an arbitration uh, a pretty disastrous uh, funding uh, relationship because the AMLAW 100 firm had sent it over to someone in corporate finance that did traditional structured credit. They didn't have a litigation finance specialist, and they missed a bunch of things. As the asset class matures, it gets um, more bespoke, and there's just more things to be aware of. So, so let me ask on, on the flip side of that. I guess um, um, I guess thinking about um, sourcing and origination, maybe something that's sort of a, l- a little bit inside baseball, which a lot of claimants and, and uh, litigators might not know, is like at, at what point should borrowers begin the process of sourcing a litigation funder. Um, is it ever really too early or, or too late to begin looking for litigation funding? You should start thinking about litigation funding the moment you think about changing your business as a plaintiff-oriented operation. If you are talking about growing your business, acquiring a practice, expanding a case line, um, adding uh, a new area uh, of plaintiff's focused practice, you need to ask yourself, what capital do I have? If I have it, should I use all of my own? Do I want to blend it with borrowed capital? Should I be looking at bank capital? Should I be looking at hedge fund capital? Do I want non-recourse financing? Um, And there there are reasons to look at all of those options or a blend of them. So that's when you should start thinking about it. Uh, John, I think the the old adage, uh, the best time to borrow money is when you don't need to, uh, rings true here. Um, certainly the firms that are well-operated, well-capitalized, um, have appro- appropriate financial controls in place, um, are going to be deemed creditworthy by the market. And there's going to be a lot of appetite from funders uh, to provide capital to those firms. So when we take a a law firm to market, um, a lot of our work is actually on the front end, making sure that those borrowers are ready and prepared to engage in those high-level discussions with the finance professionals. Uh, And that means making sure that all your financial statements are together, making sure that uh, you've done projections with with the capital that you're intending to borrow. And what type of returns does that ultimately mean for you and the funder? I also think that you know, to the extent that a law firm sees a potential market opportunity that everyone else is missing, that could also be an opportunity to leverage litigation finance to help pursue that special project. And, you know, you shouldn't be shy 
uh, about asking for litigation funding if you have a truly unique case concept um, that you believe you can um, you can uh, materialize. Uh, and we've seen that before where law firms have secured loan, uh, a particular line of credit or a loan facility uh, to go after a specific line of cases or a class action or an early stage mass tort. Um, so there's a variety of different ways to, to utilize this funding, um, but just making sure that you're ready and prepared, I think is most important in terms of making sure that you strike the best deal for yourself. Let me ask about another question that, that a lot of folks have when it comes to litigation funding, which is so, so many people consider litigation funding really a commodity, basically, that they, they just consider, you know, when they look at, maybe they interview a few, with a few different litigation funders and they, uh, they just sort of see who's got the best pricing. But um, how do you respond to those who might take that view of the industry, the people who just say, well, I just com- compare funders based on pricing? Well, you should absolutely compare litigation funders based on pricing, but it isn't the only thing that you should look at, and it probably isn't the first thing that you should look at. Um, it's not the the relationship between uh, a funder and a law firm or a claimant is not uh, simply uh, commodified by the pricing, Uh, especially when you're talking about multi-year deals with tens of millions of dollars or a critical make or break case for a claimant, uh, whether it's an individual or a company you're going to be in the trenches with these folks supporting you, and you're going to be reporting uh, relatively uh, confidential details about things that are really important to you to them uh, as support for why the investment continues to be money good. You're going to be sharing a lot of time. You're going to need to share a lot of trust. So we encourage our clients, uh, whether you're a firm looking at a claimant, or a claimant or a law firm looking at a funder, we urge you to look at trust. We urge you to look at infrastructure for the partnership. We urge you to look at uh, at how you can uh, can help one another grow. A lot of funders have, have actually gotten pretty good at being able to provide technical assistance or to insist that borrowers have technical assistance to be able to grow the sophistication of their operations so that the increased portfolio is supported by the right infrastructure um, uh, and stuff like that. And we've seen it in, you know, we see this globally. Trust is, is, is the most important element uh, and uh, trust and a relationship that evolves towards being a true partnership um, and, when I say globally, like we've had our hands in a couple of uh, evaluations of deals in London in the following the PACAR decision, and uh, you know we've we've said publicly and we see it play out in working out those deals. The way to get reformed funding agreements when something changes in the law or in the case or in the firm has uh, that's borrowing has a major change. Trust, the ability to go back to the table and draw on what puts you together as a good fit gets you to yes on an amended document. I also think that law firm borrowers need to underwrite their lenders as well because, as Ed mentioned, this is a partnership um, with you and your capital source. 
um, particularly in an instance where a law firm um, enters into a revolving credit facility or delayed draw uh, facility, uh, you need to be uh, assured that your funder is going to be there when it's time to make those additional draws. And we've seen a couple of horror stories where that has not been the case. Um, firms have gotten into deals and funders, for whatever reason, whether it be uh, lack of their capital source or other, other issues with their operations, haven't met the call when it was time for additional draws. And that could be problematic as well. So, so we encourage underwriting on, on both sides of the deal. Yeah, and that actually leads right into my final question, which is about how Invenio works with borrowers through the full life cycle of the funding agreement. So um, could you explain that aspect of your partnership, how you support borrowers after funding has already been secured? Yeah, so closing the transaction is really just the first step. And as we've mentioned, you're now in a long-term relationship with your litigation funder. And with any long-term relationship, um, I believe communication is key. So we counsel our law firm borrower clients that if there's an issue, address it with your funder early um, so a small issue doesn't become a big issue. And we found by and large that not only is that greatly appreciated by the funders and fosters a a more um, trustful relationship, it gives the funder more ability to pivot or adjust the way that they approach the funding relationship to help the borrower uh, resolve whatever issue they may have. On the other side of the coin, it could be the case that the the uh, borrower has outgrown the facility or they have greater uh, capital needs that require a new facility or a change in lender. To the extent that you've got a good relationship and a good track record with your funder, both in terms of performance and communication, that's only going to make you more credit worthy as you move forward. So we counsel our, our law firm borrowers um, to have open and free flowing and appropriate conversation with their funder uh, as a means to make sure that uh, any issues are, are solved for. It, we, we see this um, on the distress side as well. Uh, it, you know, sometimes we're helping people, through the positive life cycle and evolving through uh, a, uh, a lender relationship into the next one. In, in other instances, we're either hired at a, at a moment when there's distress in the relationship or we're called back into it. And one of the sets of skills we deploy there is that uh, you know each of us has spent um, well over a decade as general counsel in different contexts. And uh, we're used to shaping legal operations. We've been through transformative change moments. We work with our clients to take a look at what has to happen to get the transaction back on track. Do you need to make management changes? Do you need to make technology changes? Do you need to drop some cases uh, and look at uh, adding new things to your portfolio? How can you put a go-forward plan in place that shows that at a moment of stress, you're using it as you're using crisis as opportunity uh, to make change and keep the relationship back uh, or keep the relationship going or put it back on track. Blake, Ed, we um, really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing uh, your business model here and, and just what it, what Venium is up to in terms of uh, being a law firm focused on litigation finance. It's really interesting. 
Uh, it's really great to, to talk with you both, and we thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, John. Thank you. And if you'd like to learn more about what Blake and Ed are up to, you can visit them at their website, www.inveniolaw.com. I-N-V-E-N-I-O law.com. And you can also find them on their LinkedIn pages, um, Blake Trueblood and Garris. That's G-E-H-R-E-S. Uh, you can find them there. They post a lot of content as well. So uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Litigation Finance Podcast.